Welcome to the Business of Psychology podcast, the show that helps you to reach more people, help more people, and build the life you want to live by doing more than therapy. Today we're talking Facebook again, but specifically we're talking about ways that you can fill up your Facebook group. I know that social media strategy can be really, really overwhelming. There are a million things that you could do to grow your audience on social media. But I would argue that these strategies are the most likely to help you grow your group in the shortest amount of time possible. So if a Facebook group is on your agenda, if it fits with your business vision, and you know it's something that you need to grow your audience and build your authority, then these are the strategies I think are gonna get you there the fastest. So it's important to remember that any group will only thrive if it continues to grow and you provide that group with consistent value. So like everything that you do, you really need to think about your vision for your business and your ideal client for the project that you're working on right now. Then think about how you can solve a small problem for that client group through your group. That will give you ideas for helpful content that you can create for them. Once you know what value you're going to give to your group and you've got that all planned out, you're ready to open the doors and try and get people in. So it's really important to do that strategic thinking before you even start contemplating any of these strategies to get people through the door because people don't want to be in a group that gives no value and has no direction to it. Okay, so the top three strategies that we're gonna cover today are speaking in other people's groups, posting on relevant threads in other people's groups, and creating high quality cornerstone content that links directly to the purpose of your group. And we'll see, they all kind of link together. It's not a case of picking one. You'll need to do all three if you want your group to grow and thrive. Okay, so number one, speaking in other people's groups. Essentially, In order to fill up a Facebook group, you need to find the people who would naturally want to be in your Facebook group, wherever they might already be hanging out. So if you're targeting a particular professional group, you could do this by sending messages on LinkedIn, letting them know that the group um, exists and what it's going to offer to them. Uh, Lots of you that are in the Do More Than Therapy Facebook group might have come to that Facebook group in exactly that way. I kind of knew how I could find you on LinkedIn because you can search by professional group on LinkedIn. And so that was a really useful strategy for me. And that works really well for Do More Than Therapy. However, for a lot of us, if we're building groups based on a struggle or a clinical issue, they might not be unified by a profession or anything that you can search for that way. Um, So if you don't think that they're going to be searchable on on LinkedIn, for example, then you might want to start thinking about what other Facebook groups and what other Facebook communities they might already be in. So last week, we talked about how you can build your authority using Facebook. And one of the best strategies for that is developing a relationship with people who own Facebook groups existing Facebook groups that contain your ideal client groups within them and offering free training, something really highly valuable, giving your time to that group. So if you do that the right way, if you do it by building the relationship with the person that runs that group so they get to like and trust you, that can get you in front of plenty of your ideal clients and it it gives them a chance to get to know you quickly so that they grow that know, like and trust factor. 
This is also a really great way to grow your Facebook group as at the end of your talk, you can let them know that they can find you there. So it's a really easy way of them getting to know you and then developing that relationship by coming and joining your Facebook group. So it can work really, really well. So the first step in this strategy is to set up some calls with your ideal clients and find out where they spend their time on Facebook. Then you reach out to the people that run those communities and work out what you can offer to them. So there are loads of things that you could provide free training on that people with relevant groups are going to be really pleased to have in their communities. Approach this as you doing them a favour and be generous and, um, and honest about your intentions from the beginning. So I've done talks about um, managing strong emotions for life coaching groups. I often get asked to speak um, in coaching groups about the difference between depression and low mood. Um, I also have gone into groups and done training repeatedly actually for communities run by charities. Um, some that I've done have been uh, groups for people who are unemployed. I've done, um, I've spoken in groups for veterans before and for armed forces families as well. Um, there are loads of places where our expertise is really useful and our ideal clients might be hanging out in those groups too. Also, to promote the Do Modern Therapy Facebook group, I've done groups relating to marketing and online business and the kind of mental health ups and downs of entrepreneurship. And I know that some members of the Do More Than Therapy community have found me that way. So it is about being a bit creative, thinking about what only you or only people like you can talk about and bringing those subjects to the attention of people that run broader communities. And it can work really, really well. And that relates to uh, my next point, strategy number two which is listening and commenting in other people's groups. And I can't emphasize the listening side enough. Rather than just broadcasting in other people's groups, it's also really important to pick a few communities that you think have a good number of your ideal clients in them and just focus on becoming an active and helpful member of that group. Then if the situation arises where somebody is asking a question or talking about something that relates very directly to the problem that your group helps to solve and you feel like you really want to mention your group, just ping a message to the admin of that group and check that it's okay for you to do so before you do. It's generally really bad form to just post links to your group in someone else's group. Um, it breaks kind of Facebook rules of politeness, to be honest, um, because as you'll learn from, from this process and from what Sam and I are gonna talk about when we um, have our episode about how to, to keep your group thriving and really build a strong community within your group, people put an awful lot of work into developing that community. It's hours and hours and hours of unpaid labor. So people understandably are really protective of their communities. They don't want people coming in and spamming people and they really don't want you poaching people either because they've put the hours in um, to nurturing relationship with that person. So it is really, really important to be respectful and polite to the admin and work alongside them um, you know that I don't really believe in competition. I think you could have a very similar area of work 
um, and still be the right therapist for different people. Um, so, you know, I always approach it that way and I'm usually really open to people posting about what they're doing in my group but I have an eye all the time on what's been the content lately. And if we've had too many promotional posts from people, um, then it's totally within my right to say no for now um, and direct people to specific threads that I've set up for promotion. Um, because it's really important to me that the Do More Than Therapy group is a place of conversation and activity and not just a broadcasting network for people with different agendas. Um, so you've always got to bear that in mind that a skilled admin of a group has has got a lot of jobs and one of those jobs is really monitoring the quality and the content in that group. Um, so approaching them saying, you know, I've got, there are some people in your group that have been talking about X. I've got a group that directly addresses X and I think they might find it really helpful. Is it okay if I let them know about it? The admin may come back and say, uh, no, but it's much more likely that they'd come back and say, yes, um, but could you do it in this way? Could you do it on this particular thread or could you do it over private message? Um, or would you like to come and do a talk about it? You don't really know what you're gonna get back, but it is really important that you have that conversation rather than just pinging the link. Cause I do know that some admins will just remove you for that. Um, and you don't really wanna be in that position. That's probably not the way that you want to build your audience anyway. Another top tip for this strategy is that if you've set up your personal profile on Facebook with clear links to your business page and a statement of what you do in that little bit that goes under your name, then anyone that stalks you from these groups will instantly see what you do, follow the link to your business page, and then very likely, if you've set up your business page correctly, see a link to your group and come and join that. So even if you can't directly market your group, if you're a helpful person in these groups and your expertise is just kind of naturally oozing out of you, <laughs> as it will, I mean, ooze is a horrible word, but as you know, <laughs> you know what I mean, it probably will, um, then it's really likely that you're gonna get people joining your group anyway, even if you never directly post the link. Um, so don't worry too much if the admin isn't comfortable with you posting links to your group. It's not the only way to get benefit from it. Now, I put a little note in my podcast notes to pause at this point because I've mentioned personal profiles and I know that you might kind of freak out. Some people listening to this might freak out. Some groups do let you join as your business page. So there is a possibility that you could avoid people finding your personal profile but I wouldn't count on it. And in my experience, it's better to use your personal profile in groups because you're a person and people want to talk to people in groups. We come into Facebook groups for personal contact with people. And I just don't think it looks right a lot of the time when it's a business page responding to real people in, in groups. And if the aim is to develop authentic relationships and really get to know people and listen to their struggles, I think it's difficult to do that behind the facade of a business page. However, if you're really concerned about privacy, I think you, know, you need to know the reality. So I'd love to say that there is a workaround that allows you to build a thriving social media presence for your business while maintaining absolute tight boundaries over your personal profile. But I don't really believe that there is. 
Yes, if you've got your privacy settings set to the max, it is true that people that are not friends with you will only be able to see your profile picture and your business page links and a little strap line um, when they kind of click through to you. That is at the time of recording the way that it works. But I would never put much trust in social media platform developers. Y you, you can have high privacy settings right now. It's within their gift to change that. It's their right to take those away at any time. You've put your information on a public platform. So my understanding and the way that I approach that is I would never put something on Facebook that I would be ashamed if my clients saw. And I know that that is difficult and it does mean that there are political things I don't comment on um, that part of me would like to. It means that I don't share kind of my deepest, darkest thoughts on many things or any things um, using Facebook or any other social media platform. Um, but I think that's a sacrifice that we need to make if we're going to, if our business vision tells us that we need to build an audience on social media. Not everybody's does. And and I've said many times, and I'll link back to these podcasts, um, that if your vision is about creating a, a private practice that is all about therapy and, and just seeing one-on-one -on -one clients and offering that kind of high ticket service, you probably don't need to build an audience on social media. So if that's you, then maybe it's not worth, maybe it's not worth it. And this is one of the things that you've got to build up um, in your mind. You've got to sort of make the case for yourself because you do make sacrifices when you do any of this. Like, you know, you, you will see that. I spend a, an awful lot of time, I sacrifice a lot of my time to build my communities on social media. And I have sacrificed my personal use of the platforms um, for that. That's worth it to me. It's what my values tell me I wanna do. It's what my vision for the business demands. Um, but you need to feel that way in order to make it worth it. So just a little, a little caveat there, because people ask me all the time, it's probably my number one question that I get asked is, you know, how do I stop people going from my business page to my personal page? And I don't believe you can. It is really, you know, I 100% have the highest privacy settings I can. I will always seek to maintain that, but I do not trust them. I don't think they're bulletproof. Um, so yeah, that that's my views on the topic. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm very happy to talk further about it. If anybody wants uh, to PM me or, or raise a thread about it in the group, I'm really happy to, to talk it through with people in more depth. Um, but essentially, I think if you wanna do something that requires a social media presence, like selling a course or a book or a set of workshops um, online at scale, then this is a sacrifice that kind of needs to be made. And I don't think that there is a is an ironclad way around it. So essentially, I got a bit sidetracked there talking about privacy on Facebook, but essentially the strategy here is to go in as a real person listen to people, gather information about what they need from you, be genuinely helpful, and when you can authentically suggest they come and join your group. If you only did the last bit, and oh my word, how many times have we all seen this? <laughs> people who never contribute anything in the group other than their free download or a link to their own group, that's just a really easy way to 
get removed from groups and make people think that you're all about the money, frankly. Um, you don't want to be that person. That's not the impression that you're trying to give. So make sure that you follow the strategy all the way through and spend a good amount of time on listening and being helpful. Okay, the third part of the strategy, my favourite part of the strategy, creating high quality cornerstone content. So you heard me talk last week about the importance of high quality cornerstone content. This is the content that delivers real value to people and solves their problems. It's your best work made accessible for free. And I promise you, if you're creating high quality cornerstone content regularly, then you're never going to get stuck about what to talk about on social media. And getting people into your new Facebook group will also become an awful lot easier. Some people will actually find your group organically through your cornerstone content. I know that some people find the Do Modern Therapy Facebook group off the back of this podcast all the time. And I mention it frequently during the podcast, so people um, get to know me on the podcast and will naturally want to come and be part of the community. So if you produce podcasts, videos or blogs, you're definitely going to get some people that way. Any channels that you use to promote your Cornerstone content as well will also therefore help you to promote your group. So because of the way that Facebook ads work, I can't run Facebook ads to my group, but you'll notice there are usually a steady stream of people joining the Do Morton Therapy group. And that's because what I can run ads to and what I can put out uh, and promote in lots of other organic ways as well is this podcast. So a lot of people find the group after they found the podcast. So that's a really good way of doing things. And we've talked before about organic strategies for promoting. So if you're not at the stage where you want to use um, Facebook ads yet, you can, of course, promote your Cornerstone content in loads of organic ways on LinkedIn, on Facebook, using search engine optimization, um, on Instagram. There's loads of ways of promoting your organic content. And I'll, I'll link up to some of the episodes we've already done on that subject. Um, so that you can kind of go back and develop your promotion strategy for those things. Um, also, it's really important to say that people are quite discerning these days about what groups they want to join. And when we have our episode with Sam next week, where we're talking about the value that you can provide to your community and making sure that your group is really valuable to people, um, it's really important to give people a flavour of that value before they decide to join. Because I don't know about you, but I'm probably a member of about 50 Facebook groups, possibly more. So now for me to click join for a Facebook group, I have to be absolutely sure that that is a group I want to be contributing in and that I'm gonna get lots and lots of value from. I don't just join them willy nilly anymore like I used to because Facebook is just too busy for me right now. Um, so you have to be creating this high quality cornerstone content and publishing that on your Facebook page so that people can get a sense of who you are and what they'll get from being in the group. So it is really, really important that that content is there. Um, and we talked in the last episode about the shop front um, and the authority building strategies. If you have those in place, then that's gonna give people the push they need, the incentive to click join on, on your group. So as a bit of a bonus, um, bonus strategy, uh, make sure that you have follow-up content that you deliver to your group 
that encourages them to join your email list. So when you've worked through the strategy and you've got people clicking join group, you then need to offer them something that's gonna get them onto your email list. This will help with your group engagement as well as with your overall marketing strategy. Because then if they're not engaging very much in the group, you can ping them a quick email just to say, um, we're so happy to have you in the community. Welcome. Um, we've noticed that you've not posted yet. Um, we hope that everything's okay. What's the thing that you're struggling with the most? We'd like to create some content around it. Something like that, where you're being generous and offering to help people with their problems. Ultimately, the best strategy is to have something to offer to them. Um, people don't just join your mailing list because you ask them to. So usually having something to offer like a downloadable, a checklist, it could be an audio track if you do mindfulness, that kind of thing, um, that people are going to go, oh yeah, that will help solve my problem. Then they'll come onto your mailing list that way and you can start deepening that relationship off Facebook as well as within your group. So that's kind of a ninja strategy which is um, can really help accelerate your, your marketing and make your group the most effective it can be. But don't worry, we'll talk more about that when we've got Sam, our community manager here, next week. So finally, I really wanted to touch on this point because I do get a lot of questions about Facebook groups and sometimes the hardest part of the conversation is being really honest about how time-consuming they are. Do Modern Therapy is definitely my most successful Facebook group. We're over 1,500 members and I love the interaction and the supportive nature of the group. In order to get to that position, I've recorded a podcast episode, written five social media posts, responded to comments every day, been active in other people's groups, spoken in other people's groups and run Facebook ads to the podcast every week for a whole year now. I'd say I probably spend at least an hour a day solely working on the group and I have help as well from Sam, our community manager. And at times, especially in the beginning, it was way more than that. It's a really big job and honestly, I'd, I probably haven't touched on the half of it there. I've also created groups that have been successful for people struggling with their mental health in the past. Um, actually, I posted in the Doom One Therapy group this week about one I created for birth trauma that didn't work at all. Um, but I also created a 21-day mindfulness challenge for parents going through divorce that worked extremely well. And I think the reason I'm mentioning that is that you also need to acknowledge that you, you might not nail the right problem um, for your client group with your first group. You have to be willing to do a bit of testing and see what people want to join. So it might be that you create a group that you think it is brilliant, um, but nobody joins it. And, and that's fine, tweak it, come up with a few different ideas and see what gets a bit of traction. Because with both of those groups that were successful for me, the traction came quickly. As soon as I started introducing the concept to people, I went into a few other groups and, and talked about the idea. I got members quickly with both of those and it was because I'd really hit on a problem that people wanted help to solve. Um, whereas the birth trauma group, it never had that response to it. Because although I think people thought, oh, that's a nice idea, support for people who've been through birth trauma, it wasn't a specific problem that people were looking to solve on Facebook. But I could only really learn that from having tried it 
and seeing people's genuine reaction. Because when you ask people as a hypothetical, most people will just say yes to everything that you suggest because you're probably a nice person and they want to be nice back to you. Um, sometimes you have to actually create the group and see if people join it and start interacting. Um, so don't be afraid to put a group out there and see it flop. That doesn't mean that you're rubbish. Uh, it doesn't mean that you're bad at running a Facebook group or that you're bad at marketing or even that your service is a bad idea. It might just mean that you haven't quite framed the problem um, the right way uh, to get people excited uh, about your group. Um, so sometimes, again, this is something that people have said to me recently, that it just feels like it's harder for clinical groups or, or groups that are based around a mental health problem. And I certainly do think that it, it takes more time and thinking from a risk management and content creation perspective. Uh, but it definitely can work. Uh, I've done it before and I think it's often harder to nail the specific specificness not sure that's a word of the problem with the clinical group but don't be put off and think that it's not possible just because you might have tried a few that didn't work it absolutely can work there are lots and lots of really successful clinical based groups out there um i'm trying to think of some but you probably know of some already you're in them like the, the gentle parenting group for example essentially that's the kind of problem that a lot of us might be trying to solve comes under a kind of clinical um heading i, I just did some um quotation marks above my head which i realized none of you could see but you know what i mean I'm skeptical about the word clinical but it fits into that sort of category um but they really hit on a need that was there at the time um, which was, you know, for people to come together who, who shared this non-mainstream uh, approach to parenting and wanted support to implement that. So it absolutely can work. That's one of the biggest and the busiest groups that I've ever been part of. But it might take a bit of testing to get there and you just have to uh, be in it for the long haul, really, and, and be dedicated to it. Because the effort definitely can pay off and I've seen it pay off many, many times. So if you're really serious about building a Facebook group, be really clear about why it's essential for moving you towards your vision for your business and your life and follow a clear strategy that's all about solving problems for your ideal client group. So I hope that's given you some really helpful insights into how to build a strategy to grow a Facebook group. And I would say as well, if you decide that you're going to do this, take these three points and diarise how you're going to do each of them every week, because that's what it takes. It takes consistency and showing up and doing these things in a non-negotiable way every single week. Um, and if you do that, your group will grow. It will fill up. It's not going to happen overnight. It takes a lot of time. Um, but if you're consistently doing these three things, that group is going to grow. Um, so I'm really excited to see um, what you guys are doing in terms of your groups and what ideas you've got for moving them forward and filling them up full of people who can't wait to work with you. And um, so do get chatting about your groups in the Do Modern Therapy Facebook group. I'd love to hear what your plans are. And next week, we've got Sam Hill, our community manager, talking to me about how to make sure your group delivers value to members and becomes a thriving community. You've all got so many skills that will naturally make you brilliant at running groups. Sometimes we just need a bit of a mindset shift to unlock those skills. 
So before I go today, I'd actually really like to ask you a favour. I'm really keen to get this podcast heard by more people. So if you found this episode helpful, please swipe up in your podcast app and give us a five-star review and a comment. It tells the podcast app that we're creating something worth listening to, and it will really help spread the Do Modern Therapy movement to more mental health professionals. I'll see you next week. Before you go, I just wanted to check something out with you, because I don't know if this is just me. But do you sometimes wake up at two o'clock in the morning worried that you've made a terrible error that's going to bring professional ruin upon you and disgrace your family? (laughs) I'm laughing now, but when I first set up in private practice, I was completely terrified that I'd miss something really big when I was setting up my insurance or data protection practices. Even now, three years in, I sometimes catch myself wondering if I've really covered all the bases properly. And it's hard, no, actually it's impossible, to think creatively and have the impact you should be having in your practice if you aren't confident that you have a secure business underneath you. But it can be really overwhelming to figure out exactly what you need to prioritise before those clients start coming in. So I've created a free checklist plus resources list to take the thinking out of it. Tick off every box and you can see your clients confident in the knowledge that you have everything in place for your security and theirs. You can download it now from psychologist.drosie.co.uk forward slash client hyphen checklist and the link is in the show notes. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Business of Psychology podcast. If you share my passion for doing more than therapy, then make sure you come over and join my free Do More Than Therapy Facebook community, where you can work on getting your big ideas off the ground with like-minded psychologists and therapists. I'd also love it if you could leave this show a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It will help more of the people who need it to find it. See you next week for more tips and inspirational stories to help you do more than therapy.